A recent pre-med forum thread had people with 515 plus MCATs and 3.7 plus GPAs, sometimes higher, discussing why they were rejected this cycle and what they were going to do differently when they reapply. We're going to discuss with today's guest, who has years of experience advising high achievers, how high-set applicants can avoid the mistakes that tripped up the applicants on the forum. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 472nd episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Are you ready to apply to your dream medical schools? Are you competitive at your target programs? Acceptance Med School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash medquiz, complete the quiz, and you not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. Plus, it's all free. Again, use the calculator at accepted.com slash medquiz to obtain your free assessment. Our guest today, Madison Searle, is a published writer, graduate application advisor, and former director of an undergraduate honors center at a leading public Ivy. He earned his master's in English Lit from UVA and taught writing seminars for students in two honors programs at the College of Natural Sciences at UT Austin, in addition to being the director of those programs. Almost all of the students in his seminars were applying to medical school or other healthcare professions. UT conservatively estimated acceptance rates for those programs at around 95%. Today, Madison is an accepted consultant working with med school and healthcare applicants. Madison, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you, Linda. Okay, just to start off with, you were an English major, you got your master's in literature. How did you get involved in med school and science admissions? Good question. For the past decade, I've taught two writing seminars to uh, two honors programs that included about 80% pre-med students. Oh, wow. Yeah, so one of the first things I did in that first semester a decade ago was to begin uh, teaching autobiographical writing because I knew that they were going to be doing that for the medical school applications. And I continued doing that through January of this year. Uh, and I also worked with, oh gosh, I don't know how many of those students on their own medical school applications later. So you worked individually with them through the, through the program as well as providing the seminar, right? Correct. Yes. Okay, great. How do you suggest applicants approach the writing portion of the primary application? Should they dive right into the personal statement or should they take a step back and strategically think about which experiences go into which parts of the primary application to maximize the impact of the application as a whole? Yeah. My first bit of advice to any pre-med student, uh, and I got them early enough in their trajectory that I could give this advice to them, was to keep a journal, a daily journal, <laughs> about their pre-med journey, and it would be useful to them in three ways. First, it would tell them to remember simply the experiences and thoughts they could draw on for their medical school applications. Uh, it would give them practice at writing about their own thoughts and experiences. And it would also help them gain clarity in figuring out and really being able to articulate their motivation for going to medical school. But as far as the personal statement itself goes, there are few absolutes in writing and in teaching students how to prepare for an essay, but I think that's one of them. Uh, you should not just dive into the personal statement. I was working with someone last week 
who was frustrated with herself because the her draft was not to her satisfaction. And she said, it's such a simple question. This ought to be easy. And of course, it's not a simple question. It's a very complex question. And but I think a lot of students have the idea that, well, why do you want to go to medical school? That's you know obvious. Um, it shouldn't be obvious. <laughs> and it takes most students a good bit of time to sort of uh, get the reasons and the complex reasons down on the screen or up on the screen in a way that's that feels authentic and does honor to the significance of that decision that they've made to apply to medical school. How many times did you have a student say to you, I want to help people? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's the number one thing not to say, I suppose, because everybody else says it. It's necessary, but insufficient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One of my rules, and we'll talk about this later maybe, is don't say anything that you don't need to say. You know, respect the reader's intelligence. And, and if you're applying to medical school, everybody assumes that you want to help people. And they do. What I sometimes say when applicants say this to me is I say, you know, when my sink is stopped up and I need a plumber and I call my plumber, he's also helping me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Why do you want to help in this particular way? Yeah. Any suggestions for determining which experiences belong in the personal statement and which belong in the most meaningful experiences? I mean, if the most meaningful experiences, are they almost always secondary to the personal statement? I mean, what, how do you divide that up? Right. Good question. My rule of thumb is that everything that belongs in the personal statement should be to support uh, and expand on that central answer to the question. Why are you going to medical school? So anything extraneous to that or anything that's not crucial to that decision and that answer does not belong in the personal statement. So there's one exception to, to making this distinction. It's a good idea to come back to uh, an experience that's already in the personal statement in the meaningful experience uh, section, if you can say something else beyond what you already said in the personal statement. And very often you can, because you don't have a lot of space. To, to, you don't have any time to meander in the personal statement. You've got to be really ruthlessly efficient. So I, it's also a good uh, strategy because it allows the readers to know that you can draw on nuance and less obvious conclusions from an experience that you talked about in the personal statement. But in, in to answer your question, only the most meaningful experience as uh, if there are more, more than one, belong in the personal statement. The most influential in terms of your decision to, to go into medicine. Yes. And then there can be other influential experiences or other angles on those experiences discussed right. elsewhere. That's okay. Right. That, that's a very useful guideline. In your experience, and you've obviously had enormous experience, what do applicants frequently just not understand about writing the medical school personal statement that they should really grasp before they try and do anything. Sure. That the readers are human beings. Okay. And <laughs> how should that influence their writing? They're not writing for robots. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I've said this many times, uh, but I'll say it again. My favorite bit of writing advice for applicants is Kurt Vonnegut, which is pity the reader. Uh, and especially pity these readers because they have a hard job. They're reading lots of applications lots of very similar sounding applications with flowery, overly elaborate stories and <laughs> lots of adjectives that obscure rather than illuminate the writer's main point. So uh, yeah, if, if I could 
tell, well, I do tell students that I work with, first of all, think of the reader, pity the reader and make this as easy on him or her as you possibly can. As clear as you possibly can. As clear as you possibly can. And, and if you can say something in five words rather than 10, go with five every time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. On your accepted bio page, you wrote, and I'm reading now, virtually all of the pre-med students I taught were competent writers. The relatively few had learned how to effectively tell their stories and write in their authentic voice. Teaching verbal authenticity and helping students clarify and articulate their own stories in a way that invited, maintained, and rewarded a reader's attention became my focus. Now that's the quote from your bio page. And that leads me to have two questions. Number one, what's the difference between verbal authenticity and your own voice and colloquialisms or writing like you do on social media or just being plain old sloppy? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to write like you write on social media. I think you sure. Everybody, I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> everybody knows. No, the, the thing is, it's a good question. You know, we have uh, different languages for different audiences. We talk Absolutely. to parents, parents differently than we talk to our friends. We talk to our friends differently than we talk to teachers, etc. And the problem for a lot of very competent writers, the kind of students that I dealt with at, at UT Austin, uh, is they had learned to write for different audiences, different teachers, uh, standardized tests, lab reports, maybe employers. And those different audiences may have had, in fact, often did have very good reasons for requiring them to write in the way that they wrote with particular uh, stylistic quirks and mannerisms and conventions. The problem is that those conventions don't translate to the medical school application where you're writing about yourself. And so um, I think my shorthand way of describing uh, what authenticity means for a medical school applicant is to write like a slightly dressed up version of yourself. Maybe like you're writing a letter to, to an older relative, let's say. That's actually a pretty, pretty good uh, uh, comparison. Yeah. Right. Your best self. Your, Your best, best self. <laughs> a lot of students, you know, have been... Uh, persuaded that uh, three syllables are better than two and a fancy word is better than a plane. And that's, first of all, wrong. <laughs> and it's, second of all, it gives the impression they're trying to impress. Uh, and of course they're trying to impress, but they don't want to leave the impression they're trying to impress. <laughs> they don't be too obvious about it. Right. Let the story impress, not their, you know, not their five syllable words. Yeah. Right, right. And then the second question I have based on the quote I read a minute ago is, and this goes also to your Kurt Vonnegut uh, quote, is how can applicants tell their stories in a way that rewards a reader's attention and reflects the fact that they do have pity for the reader? <laughs> yeah, well, the first, and you've mentioned this, is be clear. Uh, and it's not always obvious to a writer where they're being unclear, which is where people like me come in really useful and other readers. So that's the first rule, be clear and keep asking yourself, uh, would someone who cannot read your mind understand what it is you're talking about? The second, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, respect the reader's intelligence. Don't say anything obvious. Don't say anything that doesn't need to be said, like I wanna help people. <laughs> and third, be interesting. And hardworking uh, and is another good one. Hardworking, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have interrupted you. Yeah. Uh, you know, be interesting. And one way, I mean, that's that's easy for me to say, right? Uh, but one really uh, 
it's not an easy way to be interesting, but it's a handy way to keep yourself on the rails, is to try to draw something unusual from an experience or a realization, something that's not obvious, uh, that might have occurred to you on third or fourth reflection, that you wouldn't have had time to get to in the personal statement, perhaps. Right. I think this also goes back to the idea of, of journaling. If you're just journaling what you had for breakfast, it's not going to be much value for you in your personal statement. But if you journal about an experience and then you keep, you know, some experiences just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Yeah. And then maybe a week later, you write what you're thinking about that experience a week later or a month later or whatever it is. Then the journaling suddenly has much more value in terms Absolutely. of being a resource for a personal statement, not only in the sense that you're training yourself to think that way, but it becomes a, a reference, a resource. That's right. Streamline your med school applications with Interfolio. Apply to multiple schools at once, request secure letters of recommendation, and more. Sign up at interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code accepted22 for 10% off. That's interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now let's go back to the interview. And in terms of like building a good, good story, do you have any suggestions on that? And again, a way that would reward the reader's attention. Again, if you can draw something unusual from the experience that's not, that wouldn't be obvious to somebody who was simply reading about the experience before you reflected on it, that would be good. Any way that you can uh, individualize yourself and make yourself um, unique and distinctive and three-dimensional is something you want to, you want to do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. How personal should the personal statement be? Yeah, this is tricky. To start with the obvious, uh, don't say anything you don't want to share. Uh, that's, that's not on you. And of course, don't offend. But I, think, I think nowadays students are overcorrecting. They're sort of leaning too much in the opposite direction. Uh, and they're worried about sharing things they genuinely believe in, like uh, religion or faith or lack of faith or political convictions. The value of sharing these things, and again, with the big caveat, that if you're gonna talk about this stuff in your personal statement, it has to be related to the main answer to the main question, which is why do you wanna to go to medical school? But if those convictions or one of those convictions is related to that answer, that helps you become a person for the reader. And that's what the essay is for. The essay is to help the reader imagine who you are in ways that test scores cannot. Right. I would also say that as long as you avoid preaching, whether it's religion, lack of religion, or, yes. or a particular political perspective. Absolutely. And of yeah. course, don't, don't bash anyone along the way. Who right. With um, yeah, I think that would be the other caveat to that. But I agree with you. I think there's, there's a tremendous risk in not being distinctive, not revealing, being fearful of re revealing important beliefs because of the fear you might offend somebody when, if you have those beliefs and they motivated you in a positive way to contribute in a positive way, it can, it can really help your chances of acceptance. Completely agree. Right. Any advice on interview prep for those who do write great personal statements and secondary essays and all that? Yeah. Well, reread your essays because you're going to get questions about them. So right. remind yourself what you've already said. Second, the interview is a chance to connect with somebody. I realize telling someone to think of it in those terms may not 
uh, reassure them any because it's a high stakes encounter. But that's what really the interview is for, to reassure your interviewers that you are a person who can communicate and connect with people. And this is always, um, I think, underemphasized for applicants. They're, they want to see evidence that you are interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and that they can imagine you as a clinician, a person who's actually capable of interacting with a wide range of people in very vulnerable situations. So connect, make eye contact, do all the things that you would want people to do with you in a formal or semi-formal encounter and practice. Practice interviews really help. A lot of us have mannerisms we're not aware of that can be distracting or confusing. And it's good to have someone else give you honest feedback on how you're coming across in a fake interview before the actual interview. Oh yeah, we, we also provide, as you know, and accepted, we have mock interviews and they are really invaluable. You're, you're so much better off making the mistakes and correcting them in our mock interviews than making the mistakes and not having them corrected in the real thing. Yes. And you're so close at that point. Yes. Your, your odds have improved so much. How would your advice for, for dealing with secondary essays differ from the personal statement? Yeah, the secondaries are really to talk about those points, again, that you didn't have time to talk about in the personal statement. And this helps flesh the applicant out for the readers. And remember, at this point, the readers haven't met the person. They don't know the person, right. uh, except through numbers and words. And so the secondaries help create dimension for them to realize you as a person. So very often what, what's helpful to talk about in secondaries are distinguishing experiences or something distinctive about your background or your family, uh, where you're from, uh, or your experiences in school or outside of school. So that's the sort of the dividing line for me, the uh, distinctiveness, uh, what will help readers understand you as an individual. And as somebody who belongs to that specific school with its oh, yeah, specific, course, yes. you know, mission, et cetera, and yeah. strengths. Absolutely, um, they are looking for evidence that you'd know what the school values. Absolutely, yes, yeah, for sure. Now here's a listener question. If you were a pre-med student, traditional or otherwise, what is the one thing you'd be doing to prepare yourself to complete an application and start medical school? Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't have said this two years ago, but I'd say it now. Cultivate habits of self-care. So eat well, get enough sleep. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Exercise, all these things that we know, but often neglect in our rush to go, go, go. I've become recently a, a believer in the value of mindfulness meditation, just as a way of calming yourself and developing a little reflectiveness before you speak or act, which always helps. I mean, medical school is hard. It's difficult. It's stressful. And the best way to succeed at medical school is to be happy. I mean, that's the first baseline condition. You want to take care of yourself so you can be at your best. Okay. Great advice. What do you wish I would have asked you today? Yeah. Um, I think recommended reading because I... <laughs> Go for it. What, what, what reading would you recommend? Yeah, I had all of our students, pre-med students, read a memoir by Paul Kalanithic called When Breath Becomes Air. Uh, not a standard how to apply to medical school, but he was no, a doctor. Yeah, he was a neurosurgeon. 
at Stanford. Uh, and I won't tell you what happened to him, although it's, you know, you find out in the, in the first chapter. But when I read this book, when it came out, as someone who never aspired to become a doctor or go to medical school, the main thing I took from it was how difficult medical school is. And, it, it, you know, the one thing that will disqualify any candidate to medical school is any evidence that they're not quite sure that they want to go to medical school. Uh, this is something that everybody in medical school admissions committees looks for. They look for a student who's been really reflective uh, and knows what they're getting into and is willing to sacrifice for a long, long time. In fact, to commit to a life of sacrifice and care. And service. And serve, absolutely. It's, uh, we, we viewed healthcare as what it is. It's a professional service, a life of service. And um, so, yeah, that was the main thing that someone who knew very little going in about medicine came away with. It's a hard life. It's a difficult life, richly rewarding life, but hard. Uh, and also he was a beautiful writer. Uh, he was originally an English major before he switched to biology. And uh, it's just, and it's short, which. <laughs> Pity the reader. <laughs> right, he was going back to that phrase. He had mercy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the name of the book again? Just when breath becomes air. When breath becomes air. Yeah, I got it down. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds and so it's And it's mostly a book about the practice of medicine, what, what being a doctor means, right? It was about how he came to the practice of medicine and uh, his residency and his time in medical school uh, and uh, a little bit about his, his wife and his uh, family. Sounds like a good book. All right. Great. Thank you for that. Um, Madison, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Listener, if you'd like to learn more about Madison Searle or take advantage of his expertise in medical school and healthcare program admissions, not to mention his writing and editing, we're going to include links to his bio and contact me page in the show notes at exhibit.com slash 472. Listener, I want to thank you also for joining Madison and me for a 472nd episode. If you find the show worthwhile, I have a suggestion for you. Subscribe. That way you won't miss any of our future shows be they with admissions directors, outstanding admissions consultants, writing experts, test prep pros, or alumni doing great things. You can find subscribe links in the show notes at, you guessed it, exhibit.com slash 472. Last reminder, don't miss the med school admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply and competitive at your target schools. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash med quiz, M-E-D-Q-U-I-Z, no spaces, dots, or anything like that. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.